everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, bloggist extraordinaire. Just kidding. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this series uh, uh, where we're looking at the teachings of Jesus. Uh, last year, uh, at this time, we started a series called Jesus 2010, where we really looked at the life of Jesus and, and who he was as a person. But this series, we're, we're really just kind of getting into his teaching and, and, and looking at, at different parables and, and different talks that he gave. And uh, we're going to do that all the way uh, up until Easter. And we're going to do a lot of special things uh, leading up to Easter. But, you know, as we were watching that video, you know, just thinking about all the, all the letters that are out there, just all the, all the words and all these things just trying to vie for our attention. And, you know, new, new websites, popping up all the time, magazines, tweets, you know, all of these kind of different things, uh, trying to grab our attention. And it's hard to know, like, what to pay attention to, right? I mean, there's not a shortage of stuff to read. And this series is really like just taking a step away from that and saying, okay, what in this life has sustained time what has impacted people in a, in a positive way? And really looking at the, at the teachings of Jesus, they've been around for over 2,000 years and have greatly impacted people for the good. And I believe that they will impact us for the positive. Now, I chose a particular uh, teaching, a parable, a story that that Jesus told um, to start our series off. And, and this is why. And uh, it's found in Mark chapter 4, but I'm not going to jump right into the teaching. I, w- I, w- I want to actually start a little bit later on where he starts to unpack the reason he is teaching this way. In fact, this is the first parable. This is the first story. This is the first teaching that Jesus gave that's re- uh, public teaching that's recorded in the Bible. And it's found in Mark chapter 4. And I want to just kind of touch upon on, on chapter, in, in verse 10, it says, Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and was with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant, which we'll talk about later. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. And that word secret there actually in the Greek is, what, uh, is the root word of what we get mystery from. And here we have Jesus saying that, you know what, through my teachings that I'm going to reveal to you some of the mysteries of God, the mystery of the kingdom of God. And he said, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret, the mystery of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that scripture might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, and this is Isaiah's uh, prophecy, when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. This this prophecy, and I like me reading this as as a teacher, like if that's that was kind of like you know the the prediction of tonight that like you're not going to learn anything. And you're not going to understand and everything. I'd be like, that's 
kind of a bummer, right? Like as a, as a, as a teacher, uh, as, as somebody who, who wants to communicate something, that that would be an awful thing to say. But really what, what Isaiah is saying here is like, look, the people who don't understand, they don't, they don't get it. Otherwise, if they did get it, they would, they would turn from their ways and, and, and they would be forgiven, that they would enter into a relationship with the living God. And then Jesus says this in verse 13. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Let me read that again. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, the one we're talking about tonight, how will you understand all the other parables? Now, when I read that, my ears kind of like perked up. Like, here, you know, like you figure Jesus, Son of God, Savior, Messiah, that, you know, he has all of these teachings and they're all really important, right? But Jesus here in this circumstance is saying, look, if you do not get this foundational one, then you're not going to understand anything else. And that's why we're going to start with this today, because there's something foundational that we need to get. Pastor Eric and I were talking about this this week, and we were actually kind of sharing stories about being in college and in math class. And uh, I got my bachelor's of science in marketing, my undergrad in marketing. And uh, I just, I'm really math challenged. And I remember in, in him too, just going to class and like the first day, he was like, totally got this you know, X equals Y plus four, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's all good. You know, I totally get it and everything. Oh, this is going to be a breeze. You know, go back the next class, you know, totally understand two plus two is four. Got it. No problem. I'm on the right track. And then like the third time in class, I'd be like, what are they talking about? Like, did I miss a class? Did I miss a memo? It's almost like sitting there in the Charlie Brown specials. You know, the teacher's like, wah, 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 wah. Just like saying words. It's like, how did you go from like here to there? And it's somewhere I missed something foundational. And really to get through these, these classes, it was really kind of an exercise in humility and just kind of just blind faith. I would go to this thing called the Resource Center. And, uh, and they, they had people there to resource me, you know, tutor me. In fact, somebody was telling me uh, after the 11 o'clock gathering, they're all like, yeah, I work in a resource center. I'm like, oh, they still call them resource centers. And he's like, oh, no, now they call them math labs. That sounds cool, man, like the math laboratory. You're going to, like, do some cool kind of mad scientist type of stuff, but it's probably just as lame as when it was the resource center and being tutored before that. But, you know, whatever, you know, there's, there's these foundational things. You know, there's only two times that I know of in, in the New Testament that Jesus says, you need to get this. One of the times is when he's talking about what the most important thing in life is, holistically loving God and loving people. And then here saying, this is a foundational thing that you guys get, need to get. He's talking to the disciples, and by extension, us, those of us who are followers of Christ, that 
as we embark on this series, Red Letters, that there's this foundational teaching that we must all get. You know, I think about the people who skip church this Sunday, and they're hosed. <laughs> so you made a good decision because they're going to be lost for the rest of the series, and you guys are going to be all enlightened and be like glowing, and they're going to be like, what's going on here, you know? So, so you are the, the chosen few here this evening. So it's uh, Mark chapter 4, that's where we're going to be. And it starts out in verse 3. And Jesus says, listen, because he wants them to listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so it produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So this is his first teaching. And it was after, after this that, you know, the crowds had dispersed. And the disciples were like, Jesus, we have no clue what you're talking about. Why, why are you talking about farming, man? Like, we gave up our careers. I mean, think about the guys who, who followed Jesus. I mean, they gave up good, legitimate careers, fishermen, you know, one guy worked for the IRS of Rome, you know, and, and all of this. And they're sitting there, and, and Jesus is talking about farming. I mean, not even a farmer. I'm sure like one of them are like, dude, you're like a carpenter. Can you give us like a carpenter parable like something you know about like, you know, what's the what's the farming thing and this is where he goes look look there's something more going on here and let me point your attention to what isaiah said because it is exactly happening that people are going to see what i do and they're going to learn nothing that they're going to hear what i say and they're not going to understand and because of this they are not going to turn and be forgiven you are different. Because of your relationship with me, that I am going to introduce to you and explain to you some of the mysteries of God. Some of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he says, because of that, because of your relationship with me, I'm going to explain to you what I just taught. And he goes into verse 14, he says this. He says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. 
But since they do not have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have some problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been Now, maybe like you, maybe like me, if we've been around the church for any length of time, we have heard this parable. We have heard it taught again and again and again. And maybe our hearts have become hard to it. And Often when when I approach Scripture, I ask God to reveal something new to me, to help me forget the things that, that I've learned in the past in order to open up to something new. And that's what I'm going to be praying for us tonight. So before we jump into it, you guys would just pray with me and just ask for God to speak into our hearts directly. Dear God, just uh, thank you for this time and this space to be able just to take a moment and look at this foundational teaching. And God, just pray for those of us who are familiar with this this teaching that we will just not shut down and just think, I've heard this one before, let's move on. But allow us to absorb the depth and absorb just the, the understanding of what you have in store for us tonight. In your powerful name, amen. Well, maybe like you, every time I have heard this parable taught, here's basically the punchline. Okay, us as followers of Christ, us as Christians, should go out and we should scatter the good news of Christ, right? Just throw it out there. See if it, you know, sticks somewhere. Or it goes in, you know, and it's going to go on hard path and it's going to go on in thorny places and it's going to go on all this kind of stuff. And it's just our responsibility just to throw it out there and and really it's the seeds fault or the soils soils fault if if it doesn't take but our job is just to scatter the seed I, I was like thinking about this and I was like actually thinking uh, about about a time uh, when I when I lived in Southern California and my beautiful compassionate wonderful wife wanted me to plant her a garden. She wanted a garden. And uh, in Redondo Beach, where I'm from, uh, the, it's, uh, the, the ground's very uh, like red clay, like it is here. It's very hard. And there's also, you know, just weeds and, and stuff like that in our, in, our, in our backyard. 
And I, I was thinking about this, and if I went to the store and I bought some seed, and I walked in the backyard and I just threw the seed out into the backyard and then went back into the house and said, garden's planted. You know, some of the seed fell on hard path and, you know, the crows came and picked up the seed and others went in the weeds and uh, was choked out. But maybe some of them fell in good soil. There's a chance. Man, I don't think that would have flown. Just being honest, she'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's your responsibility to make sure that the soil is prepared to take the seed. And I remember first you know, clearing out a little section in our backyard. And then, you know, first trying to dig, you know, with a shovel up and it was so hard. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go and get the best tools available to me. And I went in and uh, rented a rototiller. You know what a rototiller is? Like not one of the cheap, like electric ones. I mean, this was like a gas-powered one, like the industrial kind. And it had the big turny things in, in front of it. And uh, uh, it was, it was kind of like, it was, it was cool. Um, you would start it up and it would just sit there and there was like a little handle on it. And like as soon as you pulled the handle, the blade started going, right? And, but I... I didn't realize that, like, with hard ground, that it would just, uh, it would just take off, you know, uh, in, in front of you. And anything in its path uh, uh, would be, you know, chewed up. So I started the thing up, and I grabbed the handle, and shoo, I got to tell you, I got to miss that cat. <laughs> so after... You know, the cat incident and everything, uh, I realized that you had to hold on to it, right? And so it would grab into this hard dirt and it would start to dig and dig and turn over. And then, you know, you would have to add different things to prepare the soil. I got to tell you, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of hard work prepare the soil. It would have been much easier if I just, part of planting the garden was just going out and throwing seed. And once I threw it, it would just took a couple minutes, right? A couple minutes, throw the seed out there. I'll go later and check on it. But that's not how you plant a garden. That's not how you grow anything of any substance. And I think that the takeaway for at least me and in, in, in the teachings that I've heard in this is, hey, go and throw the seed out there. And if the ground is too messed up to take the truth, then that's bad on the ground. And if the, if the seed doesn't take, then oh well. You've done your responsibility. You know, it reminds me of, of, of kind of like this idea of, of drive-by evangelism. 
like, you know, coming from Los Angeles, this, you know, this, this way of just, you know, rolling down the window and clack, 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 you know, get a couple of them and just, you know, keep on going and just like, you know, write a rap song about it. It's all good. <laughs> but if a farmer tried to farm that way, he would go out of business or he wouldn't feed his family. And here in verse 14, Jesus is saying the farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. But also part of the responsibility of being a farmer is to prepare the soil for the seed. And just maybe the same is true with God as it was with my wife. That, it, that if someday I stand in front of my Savior and say, well, I threw some seed at people. They were just hard soil. Not my fault. Oh, there's weeds. There's just weeds. Did you pull the weeds? No, there's weeds. Just let it choke out, right? Or there was rocks. Not my fault. And I wouldn't fly with my wife, and I don't think it's going to fly with God. I don't. And I think that there's a responsibility. See, this is what I know about God. God is a relational God. And everything that we're called to do we can know if it's from God if it is marinated in relationship. And if it's a void of relationship, then that's not of God. That's of man. And you think about all the sick and twisted, manipulative ways of evangelism. Bringing God's word. And they are all void of relationship. They are all void of spending time with people in their soil, getting to know what kind of soil that they have, and taking the time and the sweat and the tears to invest and give them what they need and to love them so their soil can come to a place that is ready to accept the love of God. I mean, think about you. Think about your life. Your heart wasn't always ready to prepare or to receive the love of God. Like, I remember playing volleyball down in Redondo Beach, and there was this old kooky lady who was, like, yelling at us, saying, you know, Turn from your evil ways. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell. I'm like, man, shut up. I feel like I'm in hell with you, you know, just yelling at me. Again, she didn't care about me. She didn't care about the soil. She was out there throwing seed at me. You know what happened to allow my soil to finally be prepared was people who were praying for me. 
people who spent time with me and would listen to my concerns or would listen to just my junk. And as they pulled weeds and and moved rocks and, and put in just, you know, rich vitamins in it, eventually my soul was ready to accept the love of God. And it was completely relational. And as I look at this, I think really the takeaway is that we have a responsibility. And this is, this is where I get that from in, in, in verse 20. It says, and the seed that fell on good soil. Now, that, that's us, right? Those of us who are followers of Christ. You know, we got our rocks and we have our weeds, but hopefully we have people in our lives who are, who are you know, slowly removing rocks and weeds and, and continually putting, you know, good stuff into our soil so we can become better and better soil. But for the most part, you know, if, if we're following Christ and we're doing the best we can, what, like the seed has fell into good soil. And that's because somebody else has put an awful lot of work into our lives. So this is to the, for us who are followers of Christ The good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word. How I wish there was a period there. Right? If that was our responsibility, all right, I'm good soil. I have received God's God's good news and his love, and I hear it, and I accept it. I'm good. I have no other responsibility. But there isn't a period there. There's an and. An and. Those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. I don't know about you, but that scares me to death. I know without a shadow of a doubt that someday I will stand in front of my Creator and to know that I was planted for a purpose and that purpose is to be the tangible hand of Christ to bring love and prepare other soil for his love in that he expects out of a healthy follower of him a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times. That is a lifetime calling. And that is not just throwing seed at people. That is taking the time to get your hands dirty in people's lives 
and to sweat and cry and love and prepare them. And I think about this. I think about verse 13 when Jesus says, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? What's the meaning? What is the meaning of this parable? I think that the meaning of this parable is that we are the agents, those of us who are followers of Christ, that we have been given the purpose and the calling to be the light and love of the world. And not by holding signs or wearing T-shirts or, or putting bumper stickers on our car or yelling at people playing volleyball and telling them they're going to hell. but to take the time to get our hands dirty and relationally intertwined so people will see God in our lives and that their soil will eventually come to a place where they can accept the infinite love of our God. You guys pray with me. God, I know that kind of the indictment on the American church is that we think that those of us who accept and hear God's word, that that's all we have to do until we ex- just assume room temperature. But God, you have saved us for a purpose. You have called us for a purpose. That you have sent people in our lives and people have toiled in our soil and and tears and hardship not just so we can sit and accept and be silent but that we will go out and love people deeply and relationally commit to them And stay with them until their soil is finally at a place where they can experience and accept your abounding love. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.